Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And so, today we're going oh, sorry. To- <laughs> <laughs> no, you introduce it for a change. No, no, I can't. You so go. today, Tiffany's going to propose something that we're going to talk about. What do you want to talk about? Well, you know, I was thinking, having a conversation with Claudio, my husband, a couple weeks ago, and he was showing me this photograph that he had taken, had been taken of him and his karate master recently. Then he showed me the same exact photograph, or I should say the same people, him and his master, taken about 30 years earlier, roughly, when he was a little boy, in the same exact place, dressed exact, not exactly the same, but they were both in there karate uniforms, let's say. I don't know what that thing is called, karateji or something like that. And I had this thought, I mean, first it was a great photograph, but what it made me think of was that I can't do anything like that in my life because I live in a foreign country. Anybody that I would have come across in my youth, especially in terms of like teachers, I don't see them anymore. I don't still study with them. It's not like I have the same piano teacher that I've had since I was a little girl. That's a thing that is true of all expats, you know, especially people who move around a lot. I've only really moved a couple of times, but some people move every three years, every year even. And so what is it like to not have any continuity in your life? As opposed to what is it like to have that kind of history in a place with certain people? Is that valuable or is that just something that seems cool to people who don't have it? Yeah. What would Claudio say, do you think, as far as what it's like to study under the same guy 30 years later. I think it's, he's really enjoying it. Now, he, he hasn't studied 30 years continuously. He studied from the time he was about five or six to the time he was 14, not even older, like 18 maybe. And then he stopped, and he just started back up again in the past couple of years. It was something that he felt like was missing in his life that he shouldn't have given up. The way I feel sometimes about, like, let's say, ballet. I never studied ballet to anywhere near a professional level, but it was something that I loved, that I was really serious about, and I stopped. And I've always wanted to pick up again as a, as a hobby, but just have never found the time. And so I think it's really great for him. And I think those kind of things, revisiting places in your past, are magical in some way. I would agree with that for sure. I mean, maybe that's why I'm stuck in Seattle forever. Yeah, do you, I wonder if that's another thing. Do people get stuck in the same place because of the pull of their history and a pull to keeping that continuum going? That's such a hard question to answer because I feel like sometimes you get stuck in a place just because you can't see your way out of it. You know what I mean? It's almost like a forward momentum. But at the same point, having lived in Rome with you, I can see my way out of it now. So it doesn't have that same pull, but you're right that the continuity it, it is a factor, for sure. I mean, not so much with teachers, but with friends. I have a big group of friends here that are, most of them, well, maybe not most, lots of them are from high school or even middle school, including yourself, although you're on the other side of the world. But having relationships that like that, that last so long, is pretty rare. It is rare these days. There is a benefit to that. They know so much of where you've come from. You're not starting getting to know you. It's They already have seen your evolution for so long. Oh, exactly. For me, as someone who I don't have any friends in my life, in my daily life here in Rome that I've known more than 10 years, because I've only been here 10 years, except for when you were here. And it's better now that I do have some friends that I've been with, you know, known for 10 years. But my first few years here, 
I only had friends. That, I don't know if you could hear Aurelio in the background. <laughs> My first years here, it was really hard because everybody I knew, everybody I saw, I knew for such a short period of time. And when I saw an old friend, when I went back home, it was this feeling of complete, like, comfortableness or comfort, I guess is the correct word. Just knowing that this person is not going to judge me based on some random thing that I say because they know me. They know my history. They, and if I say something really rude or I get mad at them for something stupid and, and act like a jerk, they're not going to hold that against me because they know who I am. And that was just one blurb. By the but, way, not a very accurate description of how you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I've never known you to like say something that's terribly rude or like <laughs> awfully <laughs> offensive <laughs> offensive well I have, I have my moments probably not around you but <laughs> I have had my moments before sure everyone has those their moments but um but you know it's nice to be with old friends because you, you do know that they know who you are mm-hmm. they know who you really are and you don't have to do all the getting to know you talk I, I yeah get, so I know and we've talked about this a little bit the main question in the United States being, what do you do for a living? I get so sick of answering that question. So terribly sick. So when you meet new people, you always think to yourself, or you get invited to a cocktail party that's sort of a schmoozing, get to know new people kind of thing. And you're like, oh gosh, can I talk about what I do for a living for the next two hours (laughs) with with random strangers? I guess so. Yeah, for me, it's, why'd you come to Rome? What, What made you decide to come to Rome? That question, especially because I used to work a lot as a tour guide, and I still do a little bit, but that was my day job for a long time. And every day, at least one person, you know, one of my clients would say, and you know, it's a really nice thing that they're interested in, that they care, you know, to ask. But it's just like, oh my gosh, how many times am I going to have to... And then I would come up with like little sort of catchy ways of answering like, oh, it was fate, you know, and just leave it at that. (laughs) Um, Or occasionally I would say, how'd you get to Rome? I'd be like... Alitalia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the train. <laughs> Very nice. Exactly. Um, but yes, I know. I know. As, as fun as it is to get to know new people, it's, it's hard. But I think also, not just people, but also places. I think we both have a real strong connection to places. Definitely. I really want to take Claudio to Seattle. He's never been there. He's been to the States twice, but I have no immediate family left in Seattle, so we've never gone there together but I really want to take him there. I want to take him to where I went to high school. I want to stand in the hall near my old locker with him, go to my English room where I loved both of my English teachers. They were awesome. Things like that. I want to take him to, well, I would have liked to take him to YTN, our old theater. The theater Northwest. Which is not there anymore. I mean, it's there, but it's not in the same building. It's not there. It's been ripped down, the old building. No, I don't mean it's there. I mean, it's the theater as in the, the company. Yeah. The organization still exists. It's just the building's not there anymore. And that was going to kill me, actually, because I would have loved to have taken him there. But, you know, things like that. Here, here's an example. We have a mutual friend who we did theater with way back in the day. And she has stayed in Mercer Island and had kids there. And her kids are older. They're like, I think, teenagers or preteens. And they have done plays at the youth theater. And so for her, I mean, what is it like to be a mom of a youth theater kid? It's like going full circle. To be able to say to your kids, yeah, I remember doing plays here when I was little. I just think that things like that would have been cool to be able to say and be able to do. Yeah, it's true. It is cool. But then at the same point, for those of us who stayed behind, I've seen the hole that the youth theater left when they ripped it down. There is a certain deal of loss. And yes, it's not a 
it is a company that still exists, but by being here, it's almost like you have to witness the changes too. It's not just sudden, it's actual. True, true. When you're not here, you can almost imagine that, to me, youth theater is still there. In my imagination, I'm just driving right by it. I can see it on the right as I'm about to go down Gallagher Hill. It's there. I don't have to ever see it unless I go back to Mercer Island one day. Which you will, hopefully. I'm sure. I'm sure I will. I have to drive by it every single time I go to visit my parents. See, that would hurt. That would be hard. There's a different building there, by the way. Oh, I don't want to even think about it. Do your parents live in the same house you grew up in? Yes. See, that is cool. Well, it depends on what you talk about as growing up. Because I lived in Minnesota as a kid, as you well know. And that house, that house is the one that I think of as being my childhood. Mm. But that said, my parents have lived in the same location since I was a middle school student. So really, the house that they're in is the one I grew up in for the most part. Yeah, I mean, you were there from 10 years old, so. Yeah. Right? Something like that. I don't remember. But yeah, you can calculate it for me. (laughs) (laughs) I think you were 10. I always forget how old you are at certain ages. But yes, they're still there. You forget how old you are at certain ages? (laughs) Did you hear what you just said? <laughs> oh my gosh, this episode's not going to go well. No. <laughs> hey, it's early here. Actually, it's not that early. Okay, I can't use that as an excuse. Anyway, the point being, though, however, the house that I did grow up in, the one that's in Minnesota, is still there. And every now and then I drive back and sit in my car outside of it, look at it, and think, look how big those trees have gotten, and <laughs> look how big those bushes my mother planted are. I never get to go inside it, though, because obviously there's a family there. (laughs) I think about knocking on the door every single time I go, but I haven't done it. I bet you they would be happy to let you in. Probably. But what if they changed it a lot? This is the thing about sentimentality. Obviously, they would want to change it. I believe there was like wood paneling and like horrible carpet and who knows what else in that house. And you'd probably want to modernize it. But for me, (laughs) I'd walk in and be like, what did you do? You ruined it. I'm going to have to deal with that if, if and when I go back to Seattle, because when we go to Seattle, we're going to go visit my old house on Mercer Island, which I know for a fact has been completely, basically torn down to the foundation. The foundation is the same and then built up, but like twice as high or something. It's turned into one of those giant houses and the lawn is probably half gone the garden where my mother grew dahlias and roses and where I remember hiding, you know, under this like little red plant that I don't know the name of when I was a little girl. Everything about that place, most of it is going to be changed and it's going to be different. And our next door neighbors who have a house very similar to the house that I grew up in, they were built by the same architect sometime in the late sixties. They are still there and they're friends with my parents. And they told me if I ever want to come visit, they'll totally let us stay there. It would be great, and I want to do that, but I know it's going to kill me to do that. Why do it, then? Why do it? Because I want Claudia to see where I lived, where I grew up. But it's not there. It's, well, the house isn't there, but the, the land is there. You know, we, live, we were lucky enough to live right, right by the lake. I want him to see that. I want to show him, you know, this is the boathouse that I dove off of. Because the boathouse is still there because it was shared with the neighbors. This is a little beach, right? Mini beach. It's like two foot wide beach. But anyway, <laughs> it's not really a beach. It's more of a sandbox. But, you know, we called it a beach. Oh, here's where I found the muskrat. And here's where we used to throw rocks in the lake. And I, I want to share that with him. Yeah, I get that. But it won't be the same. It won't be the same, of course. But, you know. I'm not trying to be a downer. (laughs) No, I... Maybe I am. Maybe you are. I don't know. 
Maybe this is my jealousy of your lack of continuity or something like that. But the thing is, I, you know, we've talked about it before. I'm very sentimental and nostalgic. I get attached to places, even that I did, never really spent very much time. I spent a month in Lucca in 1998. I think it makes me sound really old. Um, doing a music program. It was a magical, magical time in my life. And I, it was an amazing month. And I loved that town. And I went back there after I moved to Rome. So it was over 10, it was about 15 years later. And I walked down the streets. I was like, oh, there's the apartment where I lived. And oh, this is the cafe that I used to go to. And this is the place where I used to get pizza. I only lived here for a month. Why do I feel so connected to this place? I think it's something about places that go on when you're not there and you can step back into them as if nothing ever changed. I mean, that's the ideal is when you do step back and nothing has changed. Whereas when you go back and a lot of things have changed, that is when it gets hard. Well, and that's part of the benefit of living in a place like Europe where stuff is old and generally speaking stays pretty much the same. Mostly. Seattle is a super booming, massively growing city right now and it's changing by the day. I mean, it's constantly changing. Wow. I bet I wouldn't recognize it if I went back. I haven't been back to Seattle, I think, since 2008, 2007 or 8. Well, I'll be interested to hear what you think when you come back. Yeah. My grandmother and grandfather, my dad's parents, have both passed away, but my grandmother's house is still there, although it's been changed significantly, partly because it caught on fire after the new people bought it, and so they remodeled the whole back half, as far as I can tell. But I have very fond feelings toward that house, and so oftentimes when I can't sleep at night, I will try to walk through that house in my mind and try to picture as many of the details as I possibly can. And it not only is comforting, but it wears me out a little bit. See how far you can get through the house. And I go back to the town that they were in. There's nobody living there anymore. In the whole town? Well, no, it's not a ghost town. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Nobody I'm related to lives there anymore. But the family has a really big history there. There's a lot of Sewell history in that town. So it's one of the places that I try to at least drive through once every few years. Every single time I do it, I do the same thing I do when I go back to Minnesota. I stop in front of the house and I think about knocking on the door. And the last time I was there, the people were actually sitting outside. And I could have easily gone up to them and said, hey, you know, my grandparents used to live here. Do you mind if I walk through the house? But then part of me thought, besides the shy part of me that doesn't want to approach a stranger who's having a cocktail on their porch. (laughs) The other part of me was thinking, but it's going to be so different. If I walk through it in my mind, the details won't all be the same. I'll be able to fill it all in, in a new way. And do I want to do that? But at the same point, I have a slight fantasy about buying that house someday and living there. So I don't know. Obviously, we have a place problem, a serious (laughs) place problem. (laughs) (laughs) And I get so attached to anywhere. Derek's always saying that I'll just move somewhere and put down roots immediately like I did in Rome where I'm just like, I'm never leaving. And then I have to leave. And now I'm in Seattle and I've been here for a little while now. So I'm like, well, maybe I'll stay here. Maybe it's okay. Maybe I'm over the disappointment of being back. It's nice to be around all these old friends again. But um, I bet if we were to move, as long as it wasn't a horrible place, I didn't really like my college town very much. (laughs) But I'm still sentimental about that college town. So two nights ago, I met a guy that was going to college there. And I was, we got into a 20-minute conversation about what bars and restaurants still existed. <laughs> I mean, it's the most ridiculous conversation. 
what does stuff cost now? We talked about that for like 15 minutes. Ridiculous. Anyway, so yeah, we have a place issue. But obviously continuity, it's interesting. I mean, in some ways you've had continuity because you were an expat that chose to stay. So you're not as fluid as some. No. In fact, I, I can't imagine living in a new place every couple of years. Although I, I, I'm attracted to that idea. It's a very exciting idea. I don't think I could do it. Because I'm like you, I need to put down roots too. Yeah. What do you like about the idea? Every time I go to a really cool foreign city, like for example, I was in Krakow about 10 years ago, really quaint, pretty places. I always think I could totally live here. I could, I was in Seville. I was like, I could see myself living here. Absolutely. I like the idea of saying, oh, well, I've lived, not just saying, but like having lived in multiple countries and getting to know different cities the way that you can only get to know a city when you live there. Even if you only live there a few years, you still get to know that city really well. I would love that. I would love to be able to get to know another city the way that I know Rome and the way that I know Boston. Who knows? I mean, I'm still young. It could happen. Is it a stuff thing, too? You like your things? And if you were to move that much, you can't have as many things? Yeah, I was never a person with stuff issues, probably because I moved across the country to go to university. So already there, I didn't have very much stuff starting out. And then I moved to Montreal and, you know, had to get rid of a whole bunch of stuff, moved back to Boston, got rid of more stuff. And then when I moved here, I came with almost no stuff. I never was really attached to stuff, but I think having kind of built up from zero in Rome, two boxes I think I had, I had two boxes shipped here and one suitcase, maybe two suitcases. Having built up to now a house that I really, is very comfortable and small, but comfortable and cute in the way that I wanted, bookshelves and all my books, my hundreds of books and... Yeah, I'm kind of more about the things than I was. And I thought of, oh, do I have to pack everything and I have to ship it up or I have to take a truck or should I just sell it? Or it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And you have a piano behind you as I true. look at you. True, true, Which is, true. talk about a commitment. <laughs> a piano is like putting down roots more than anything, any other object I can imagine. Really? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Unless you were just to abandon it in the apartment. Well, you can sell piano. People, I, bought, I bought this used. I bought this from a friend of mine who moved to Berlin, actually. And she bought a new one when she got to Berlin. So it's not as permanent as you think it might be. I got a really good deal on this piano. <laughs> <laughs> the only time I ever owned a piano as an adult, I lived in a rented farmhouse. And there was a piano out in the garage that some renter had left. And it was huge. I understand why they left it. To move this thing. Was it a grand piano? No, but it was just like one of those massive standing pianos. Maybe three times the size of the one you have. Wow. I could have like slept on top of it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, I mean, it was a big piano. <laughs> it was terribly out of tune too, but I used to go out there and bang around on it. I did have that thought when I was moving out of that farmhouse because it was an abandoned piano. I was like, I should move this piano. Right. And then I thought... No, I shouldn't. <laughs> mm, yeah, I don't know what it runs, but I think it's about 100 euros right now to move a piano here. So, I mean, to move it somewhere in the same city. Yeah. So you have to know that every time you move, you're going to spend 100 euros on that piano. So, you know, it has to be something that you actually really want. And the truth of the matter is, is I can only play three songs on the piano. So <laughs> how many times can I play the Young and the Restless theme song and A Time for Us? <laughs> Really? Are you serious? You know the Young and the Restless theme song? You yeah. You can play it? My sister figured it out when we were kids and I memorized it. And what were you doing watching the Young and the Restless when you were kids? We weren't. I don't know why she learned it. <laughs> we were Days of Our Lives family. Oh Please. my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I can play Christmas carols too. So 
Oh, see that I don't. I can't play any Christmas carols, and I want to learn to play Christmas carols just so that I can play Christmas carols at Christmas. Well, I have a beginner book I could send you. That's what I need. No, don't send it to me. I'll find one. I don't want you to. It's not worth the postage, probably. Uh, but I want to learn them. I have a kid now, so I have to, you know, learn how to do all these things. I have to learn how to play Christmas carols on the piano. Yeah, and you could torture him with the annual Christmas sing along <laughs> when he's a teenager. Torture? He's gonna love when he's it. A teenager. <laughs> oh, okay. He's gonna hate it when he's a teenager, but he's gonna love it when he's four. Yeah. He's going to be singing We Three Kings right along with you. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of my little, uh, my little boy, I kind of have to go. I have to go put him in bed. I also have to go. My parents are coming over. All right. Well, I guess we're going to have to leave it there. We are going to have to leave it there. And until next time, I don't know if we covered anything, by the way. <laughs> continuity people, write to us and tell us what you think. The Bittersweet Life at mail.com. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Visit the donate page on our website, thebittersweetlife.net. All donations are reserved exclusively for the creation of audio content. Your financial support keeps us strong. Thank you.